0: Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self. Conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. You know, let me just put a fine point on that. When I say, welcome back to The Conversation... It has a meaning, a special meaning to me. You see, my mission is to have conversations that make a difference. It's what my life is all about. So when I say welcome back to the conversation, it's about us making a difference for your life and hopefully not just for your life, but those other people that are in your sphere that are surrounding you. You see, when you're operating on all cylinders, when you're at the top of your game, when you're happy, peaceful, and centered, then you interact with the world completely differently. Your relationships are completely different. And so that's what I say. Welcome back to the conversation. It's that. But before we get into today's conversation, I want to make an announcement. Just around the corner, I'm about to open registration for my signature coaching program, The Aligned Self, where we reinvent your self-identity to match the vision that you have for your life. Well, I'm not going to go too deep into that today. I just wanted to make the announcement that it's coming, coming very soon. And if you're interested in learning more, just go to yesdaniel.com. And the link is in the show notes, yesdaniel.com. Now, today's topic... How to Never Lose Again is actually from the playbook of my coaching program, The Aligned Self. But it has come up in coaching sessions that I've had just over the last couple of weeks with some peak performers, an elite athlete, a working actress, a world-class musician, and an executive for a major corporation. There was a theme that went through all four of the conversations – even though a lot of the specifics were completely different. The theme is around competition. You see, each of these individuals are competing for, vying for a limited number of spots, a limited number of opportunities where the competition is abundant. For instance, the elite athlete has one foot in the door for professional sports. And it's just a few spots with thousands of potential applicants. And then let's talk about the world-class musician. He's vying for just a couple spots in a world-class orchestra where there's 20 to 50 applicants or potentials that he's competing against for that one spot. And then I probably don't even have to mention the actress on what she's up against every time she goes up for a role. So in this conversation today, we're going to talk about how to position your mindset to where you never lose again. And also in the energy of law of attraction, how do you run your script? How do you run your affirmations in your head? How do you think about this opportunity to where you don't get in your own way, to where you don't cast doubt? Because frankly, when you have a limited number of situations, when you're competing against other people, there's always the potential of not getting the result you're intending. For instance, If you are focusing on truth, that people show up as truthful, and that's your intention, the possibility also exists that people will show up untruthfully. When you want to win, there's going to be a loser, whether it's you or someone else. And most people are completely aware of that possibility. That's why so few people begin to venture towards their goals, their dreams, to fulfill on them because there's always the possibility that they'll fail. There is the possibility that they will not get the result that they intend, that they'll lose money or they'll, they'll be embarrassed or whatever's there. That prevents people from moving forward because of their mindset. And so my goal for you today is to have this conversation to where we can shift your mindset to where you never have to fail again. So first in this discussion, I want to talk about what does winning really mean? Oftentimes in my workshops, I've I've asked, what would it be worth to you? I asked the audience, what would it be worth to you to never fail again, to always win? If I could give you that secret, how much would it be worth to you? If I could lean over right now and give you the secret, would it be worth $500 to you? from this point forward, to never lose again. And to be honest, I've never gotten to know. Everyone's always agreed it would be worth at least $500. And then I said, would you pay $5,000 or $10,000 to never lose again? Anything that you attempt, everything that you go forward with, you would always win. And then I would say, don't answer right away. Think about it for a second or two. Just think about it never fail again. You will always win. Would it be worth $10,000 to you? And really think about it. You would finally be able to start that business, finally be able to start that career path, finally be able to begin that relationship that you've been holding back on because you didn't want to fail. And when you come to the realization that it would indeed be worth the $10,000 when you consider it over the span of your life, raise your hand. And within three minutes, every hand in the room is raised. So I'm asking you right now, would you like to hear the secret for free? And I'm going to go ahead, assuming you said yes. Tell me the secret. Well, here it is. From this point forward, only compete against those individuals in which you have a clear advantage over. For instance, I like to compete against five-year-olds because I can usually kick their butt all over the field. I can usually outthink them, outperform them every time. And let's say it's not an individual you want to conquer a field. Well, that means that you then compete in a field where you have the clear advantage, where you are the big fish in a little pond. And that's it. That's the secret to always winning. Well, it probably only took you a moment or two to realize that that's no fun. That's not even a real win. And I would have to ask you, what do you mean by that? Because if we look at the score sheet, when we assess the winner and the loser of a contest, and I'm competing against a five-year-old, we can write it down in, I have 10 points, That, that little punk has two points. And that's because I let him score. And if we go just by that score sheet, I am the clear and decided winner. But if part of you is saying, well, that's not really fair, That wasn't real competition, then we have to point to the fact that winning the game is not the real objective. Winning in and of itself means nothing if there aren't other components in the game, or in the project, or in the process, on the journey. On another note, I have a friend of mine that is a big gamer actively involved in video gaming and computer games. And I guess there's a cheat that you can enact in the game and activate what they call the God Force. And when you activate the God Force, then you have unlimited lives, special powers that allows you to overcome all the competition. And he said to me, that's fun for like five minutes, and then it becomes boring. I said, boring? You get to win the game. He said, but... But it's not challenging. It's predictable. Interesting. Let me reference something I say inside my intuition course. Imagine for a second you're completely and totally 100% psychic. You know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next week, the next year, the next five years. There is nothing that is a secret to you. You know who's going to win the Super Bowl for the next year, the next five years, the next 50 years you know who's going to win the World Series. The moment you meet someone, you know exactly how the relationship is going to turn out, whether it's going to work, whether it's not, whether you'll be friends or foes. You see, since every relationship has a certain amount of roughness in there because no two people have the same brains, then there's always going to be a certain amount of friction along with the smooth sections. So if you make the decision to never have the friction or not be a party to it, you'll tend not to have any relationships at all because, frankly, who wants to deal with that? But my real question is, is how interesting would life be if you knew exactly how every day was going to turn out, how every conversation was going to turn out, what the outcome of every game was going to be? And just like the video game where you had God power, all powerful, life became boring and predictable. So in summation, the distinction I want to make here, that in competition, in winning, in going after something, in taking on a project, it's not the success we really want. It's who we get to be on the journey. It's the thrill of not knowing what's going to happen around the corner, that makes the adventure, the adventure. What we seek is not to be superhuman among normal people. We seek to be normal among the superhuman. In a couple minutes, I will talk about how not to lose ever again, how to adjust your mindset to where you always win. But before I get into that, I would like to talk a little bit about game theory. The study of games. So when you look at games, there's essentially two types of games. There's the infinite game and the finite game. In the finite game, there's a beginning and an end, a structure to the competition. For instance, you can take a basketball game. There's tip-off, there's a set amount of time allotted, there's a way of keeping score, there's rules, and there is a finite amount of time at the end of which there will be a winner and a loser. Now, let's talk about the infinite game. Inside the infinite game, there's a large number of finite games inside the global context of the infinite game, which you could call your life. Now, in the finite game with a beginning and an end, the intention might to be on top when the buzzer goes off, when the time runs out. But as we established earlier, Winning isn't just the only thing that we're concerned about. Is there a challenge? Are we stretched? Are we growing inside the game? Is it fun? Is it an adventure? And in the context of the infinite game, which is your life, it's understood that you're going to win some and lose some. Ideally, you want to win a few more than you lose. But the interesting thing is, is when you're not concerned with the score sheet or the scoreboard, then you can set the criteria on what winning looks like. You get to decide what is a win and what is a loss. Now, I've talked about before how I used to play tennis with a guy that was basically head and shoulders above me in ability. He had a faster serve. He had a stronger return. He handily beat me every time we played. But what I didn't realize at the time, that for him, it was more important to win than be in the journey. You see, for me, it was a win if I could return his serve. And then after I started returning his serve, I wanted to return every one. And I have to admit, it wasn't even to return the serve at first. It was just to get my racket on it because it was flying by me at, you know, faster than I could see at the time. So I had these milestones, these little skills or things I wanted to accomplish inside the game, knowing that I'd probably lose. But I set the context, I set the criteria on what a a win would mean for me. If I was able to return three serves, that was a win for me. And if we could maintain a volley for more than five, six shots, that became a win for me. You see, in the context of the game, the tennis game, I wanted to improve every time I was out there. I wanted to get a little bit better, a little bit better. You see, I was actually competing against myself. If I were actually competing against this other guy, I would have gave up after the first three or four matches. Well, as life would happen, we went our separate ways and we weren't able to play our our weekly games. And it was about three years later when I was living in a different city and he came to visit me. And I suggested we play tennis. Now, in the meantime, I hadn't had anyone to really play against. So I would go to the court and practice my serve. I'd practice the placement. And over time, I became more accurate. I was also lifting weights at the time, so my serve actually got a lot faster. And I would practice the volley by hitting a ball against the wall for an hour or so. Going forehand, backhand, making myself run around going after the ball. So again, I was still competing against myself. But when we came back together three years later, something happened that I didn't expect. And frankly, what I did expect is that we would have some really good games. But what I didn't realize that in the lack of that competition and just competing against myself, my own best last, I became very, very good. And when we met on the courts, I blistered him. He could not return a serve. And if he did happen to hit it, you know, actually get it back over the net, I would put him out of his misery in just a shot or two. Well, long story short, after one match, he no longer wanted to play. He was done. And he was in a sullen mood the rest of the day. And I realized that it was never about the competition. It was never about getting better for him. It was about him winning. And that was more important to him. And the other realization I had is when you compete against yourself, when you're constantly in that process of improving over your best last, before you know it, you're head and shoulders above the competition. Because inside of that is the self-fulfilling prophecy. We tend to rise only as high as the ceiling is to our competition. How hard do we have to work? And when we're competing against ourselves, we keep raising the bar, we keep raising the limit on how good is good enough. Now, another example of setting your own criteria on what winning looks like, I want to refer back to Rocky, the movie Rocky. And I did this in a previous episode, and it bears repeating, only because I like the story. But in the movie, Rocky Balboa is about to fight Apollo Creed for the world heavyweight title boxing title. And the night before the fight, Rocky realizes that he is outclassed, that Apollo Creed is a significantly better fighter, and there's no way he can win. So on that night before the fight, he's walking around thinking, and he gets back to his apartment, and he's talking to his girlfriend, Adrian, And he says to her, I realize I can't win. There's no way I can win. So if I can at least stand or still be standing at the end of the 15th round, then I'll know that I just wasn't another bum from the neighborhood. He said, you see, no one's ever gone the distance with Creed. No one's ever stood toe-to-toe with Apollo Creed and still been standing at the final bell. So that was his new win. That was the new criteria that he said." And you might be asking, if you haven't seen the movie, how did it turn out? At the end of the fight, was Rocky still standing? Well, here's a spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen it. I mean, the movie is 45 years old. At the end of the fight, when the bell rang, he was still standing. And that was not only a win for Rocky Balboa, but it was a win for the audience as well. Okay, so I want to take this idea just a little bit further. Referring to my world class musician, he's competing for a position in a world class orchestra, there's only one spot. And he wanted an approach, a mindset approach uh, for, uh, using law of attraction and psychology on how to position his mind as he worked for this audition. And when he relayed how he was visualizing the outcome and It was that the director was going to approach him and say, you got the spot. And while it is desirable to script things, visualize things the way you want them to occur, in doing so, I have to acknowledge there is that energy underneath of possibly not making it, not having the director choose him. And when we're oriented around one specific outcome, there is always the possibility of failure. And even though we don't directly address it, that specter of fear, that specter of failure hangs out in the shadows. We know it's there. The possibility of it is there. And I was also made aware that there was a certain amount of performance anxiety that would come up as the competition thinned out and it became closer and closer to the deadline. And that's something that happens in virtually every sport, every performance situation, when we're totally focusing on achieving a specific outcome, then we tense up because we're no longer enjoying the journey. We've lost sight that we're actually engaged in an epic adventure. So what was my conversation with my musician? Well, first we got connected to the essence of his goal. It wasn't necessarily working for this specific orchestra. More accurately and more generally, it was just being a professional musician in a large orchestra, a world-class orchestra in a large city with a certain amount of access to culture and a lifestyle that could not be found in a smaller city. And that was something he really preferred. And then when we really looked at the possibilities, there's definitely more than one orchestra that fits the bill. So I was thinking, how can you create this where it's a win-win? Like, no matter how it turns out, he can be a winner. Well, first off, he's young enough and good enough that if he just continues to audition, sooner or later, it's inevitable that he will find a position that fits the bill. So unless he gives up, sooner or later, he's going to win. And here I'd like to share a presupposition from neurolinguistic programming. It's an idea that is presupposed to be true. And that is, there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. You see, when you're playing the infinite game and you lose one finite game or one game, then you adjust, you regroup, you learn, and then you compete again. And so if you don't get the result that you were looking for in one situation, through the feedback of that experience, you get to begin again, begin anew, or change your approach. Adopt a different strategy. Practice more. So in that context, you are unstoppable. And you cannot be stopped until you give up. So in our reframing, we set it up to where he was going to have fun in the audition process. And the biggest challenge was not to get the position, but to be in the zone when he was playing. To be prepared ahead of time. He was going to practice and be diligent in his practice. Because ultimately, the decision on whether or not he would get the position was not within his control. It lie in somebody else's hands. And sometimes they make decisions not just based on performance. They make it based on, you know, what they perceive would be a good fit for their particular situation. And so there's a number of variables that come into play when anyone is selected for a part whether it be for the orchestra or for an acting part or even on a professional sports team. It's how can you contribute to the overall. And it's going to change and vary from situation to situation. So the only thing that you can do is show up in the context of being a winner, that no matter what happens, I can win from this. And so since we set it up that it's inevitable that sooner or later my musician will have a professional playing position, If he doesn't win this particular audition, then something more amazing, more fantastic is waiting for him. That his only job is really to be in alignment with being in that position, being in the zone, practicing, knowing his music, and just showing up, connecting to the fun of being in the adventure, the thrill of being in the epic adventure. See, put another way, he's not competing against all those other people. He only is and ever has been competing against himself. So to sum all this up, to never lose again, realize that there is no such thing as failure, only feedback. You're not just playing the finite game. You are playing the infinite game. And when you are playing the finite game, create the context, create the mindset that winning is inevitable. Like no matter what the outcome, there's a way for you to win. There's a way for you to achieve a sense of satisfaction in your participation. Because in the end, you are only really competing against yourself. And then connecting to what we established in the beginning. The secret to winning every time is to play someone or compete against someone that is not as good as you, that isn't even in the same class as you then winning is assured. But we realize that winning isn't all that it's cracked up to be. What we really want is to enjoy the journey, to be connected to growing and becoming better. The challenge of it, it makes it interesting to be in the epic adventure of the process. To point back to my musician and talk about it as an epic adventure, it is the love Of music. It's the love of performance and being in the zone in that connected space. It's magical when you feel the synergistic effect of all the instruments, all the voices coming together and communicating in such a way to the listener that it moves them emotionally. And that idea applies not only to my musician friend, but to the actress of being in the moment and communicating a character in a way where the audience is moved. Their consciousness is expanded. And then my elite athlete, there are peak moments in sports, flow moments in sports where time seems to slow down and it's magic how everything comes together. And those moments, while sometimes appearing few and far between, they make everything worthwhile. It's those magic moments that actually generate The epic adventure. So, as you go out in life, don't seek to be perfect. Don't seek perfection. Seek to enjoy the journey. Seek to enjoy the progress. Compete against yourself. And live your life according to your inner signals, your inner bliss. Don't be defined by outside standards. Be inner directed. Change the rules, change the definitions of success to where you cannot not win. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, and by all means, make it an epic adventure.